0: Brothers and sisters, good morning. It's good to be back with you, even on a snowy and a cold day here at St. Lawrence. It was pointed out to me in the sacristy that it seems like every time I come here, it snows. Um, But that's okay. Uh, I'm glad to be here anyways, and glad you're here as well. Today I'd like to point out or ask one particular question. In the first reading, you remember the first reading? give you a moment the reader said yeah i remember the first reading good give you a moment to travel back to it why did the jews weep when they heard god's law today a very holy priest provided me with a reflection that i'd like to invite you into regarding that first reading it addresses the story of israel but it also addresses a regular source of discouragement in the Christian life. The Jews had just returned from their long exile in Babylon, disobeying the word of God. They were uprooted, they were taken away from their home, and they were put somewhere else. They lost in that not only four walls and a roof, but they lost a sense of identity and a sense of belonging. There was no longer a place where they could say, yeah, well, my father, my grandfather, back before you were born, because no one had been here before. And this was not the place God had promised to give them. Eventually, by God's providence, they were led back to the Holy Land, destroyed, and they rebuilt it. They had just rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and were now gathering to worship the Lord anew, and to renew this covenant relationship that they had with him. It seems that while they were in exile in Babylon, they had not had access to the book of God's law, and they were now hearing much of it for the first time. Ezra was reading it from the break of day until noon. You know, you thought my homilies were long. Six hours he read for them the laws of God. And they found themselves confronted by God and his goodness, When Israel was confronted with the law of God, they were dismayed. They realized they were falling far short of what the law demanded, and they were worried and concerned that now they would be judged. They would be under God's judgment and his just judgment because they had sinned in the eyes of God. But Ezra, who was a man who knew God's ways, With wisdom would not let them be sad he said the joy of the Lord is your strength he interpreted this law for them in a way that they needed to hear now let's ask a question to make this a little bit more contemporary what is it like to meet God what do you think what would it be like to meet God Every experience may vary slightly, but before we crown and miter our own experience as most natural, let's acknowledge some things as simply true. Whatever warm feelings we may have, and hopefully you have them, hopefully you have a sense of, oh, it would be great to meet God. Whatever feelings we may have, what is also true is that when a person meets God face to face, that person is face to face with the upper limits of goodness right? It doesn't get better than God. With astonishing clarity, holiness streams and it sears the conscience. It happens in the same way that, um, that small imperfections or wrinkles or stains in clothing come to light. Maybe this is a helpful example. I have a, I have a hooded sweatshirt. I have a lot of hooded sweatshirts. I have a hooded sweatshirt that is green and it says Irish on it. It's a Notre Dame sweatshirt. I'm going to wear it on St. Patrick's Day. I've already planned out to March 17th. But one time I was wearing the sweatshirt while I was making bacon for myself in the morning. And as I was transferring the bacon from pan to plate, a little bit of grease landed right in the middle of this sweatshirt. <clears throat> Shoot. Well, I'm not going to go out in public in it. I'll wash it. It'll be fine. Detergent, OxyClean, a little bit of cold water, we were able to make it work, right? The next time that I saw that sweatshirt in my closet, it's very warm and very fuzzy. I was excited to put it on. It was like 6.30, 7 in the morning, and I threw it on over my clerical shirt. And in the low light of my bedroom, I looked and went, Ha! Father, you look good. And then I walked out into the bright light of day. And there was still a huge grease stain right in the middle of my sweatshirt. This is what it's like to have the bright light of goodness shine on us. Things that we might not have been able to see in dimness are revealed. And this is why Israel was afraid, because no one likes looking like a slob. It can be a dreadful thing for fallen and rebel humans to encounter the goodness and holiness of God. We rightly perceive the vast divide between God's light and our own occasional darkness. As the book of Job has it, God puts no trust in his holy ones and the heavens are not clean in his sight. The psalmist prays, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? this was the feeling of the Jews, as they saw, perhaps for the first time, their own sinfulness in the face of the goodness and beauty of God's law. Hmm. But today in the gospel, just as in the first reading, Jesus reads something aloud, something whose meaning the people had lost. And so his words were also being presented for the first time to hearers who were, for the first time, perhaps in a while, confronted by God. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Elsewhere in John's gospel, he elaborates, I did not come, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. God will one day judge the world, and all that is evil will be utterly destroyed. But that is not why Jesus came. He came to bring glad tidings. If he wanted to execute justice, he could have done that easily, without all the messiness of becoming a human being. He did not need to take upon himself our nature, our destiny, our sins, and walk a suffering road for us if his purpose was to judge us. No, he's come among us before the judgment falls, not to accuse, but to heal and to save all who are willing. He is the dry cleaner for your Notre Dame sweatshirt. The devil is the one who accuses. He wants to destroy. The Lord will regularly convict us of sin, yes, and discipline us, but not to discourage or to destroy us, but to save us. This truth is important to remember for all who are walking and growing in the Lord. Because of our fallen condition, we have a hard time seeing and knowing ourselves, especially knowing the depth of the dark world within us that threatens to destroy us. When I say that, I I don't just mean it's hard to see ourselves because it's hard to get a good vantage point, right? Like, if I could only look outside and maybe I could see inside my, no. It's hard to see our darkness also in the same way It's hard to see like a high school guy who is going to go ask out a girl across the room and you know how he feels and you know how she feels and you know it's not going to go well and you're watching and then it doesn't go well and it's awkward and you feel bad and it's hard to watch. Do you know that feeling? It's hard to watch a loved one fail. It's hard to watch an awkward moment. It's hard to experience pain. And it's hard to see our own darkness because it's awkward, it's uncomfortable, it's revealing and vulnerable and painful. As we move toward the light of Christ, he reveals layer after layer after layer of our own selfishness, rebellion, and pride. He deals with us like a good physician, treating us according to what we can handle, always going for a full and complete cure. He shows us our evil so that we can cooperate with him in conquering it. But his piercing diagnosis, meant for our good, is seized upon by the accuser, who then attempts to twist it and to use it against us, thus every step forward in self-knowledge comes with the temptation to listen to that accusatory voice. And hey, you know the voice I'm talking about. A voice that says, You? A person so full of pride and malice, envy lust and gossip and gluttonous and so angry, And you pretend to think that God cares for you? At best, he puts up with you. More likely, he's disappointed in you and wants nothing to do with you. Damned lies. But all too easy to believe. Confronted with God today, hey, let's not be afraid like the Israelites were. Christ came precisely to heal our darkness. Not just the little stuff, but especially the serious evil. The evil in us that we find it hardest to forgive. As we increasingly take on the mind of the divine physician, we see where he's bringing us, and a deep joy will take hold of us as we see our cure and our own goodness And this joy of the Lord is our strength. It is. Under its strong power, we can hurl the accusation of the prince of darkness back in his teeth and entrust ourselves entirely to our good master who proclaims glad tidings of wrath ended and woes mended and winter past and guilt forgiven. Or... As he says later in Luke, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. I believe it. Amen.